This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello everybody, good evening, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we, we've we got somebody else with us tonight. We've got John <laughs> with us as always. Ian's not here. Good evening, John. Good evening, Cammy. Um, what we've done is we've decided to address the balance a little bit. We've had letters, we've had numerous letters, John. <laughs> I, about, I mean... Uh, that was probably just from last week, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, since, since unfortunately, we, we, uh, we lost Sandy to, to other commitments, um, we have been quite Glasgow heavy. I've always said I am. Oh, hang on, I've got the kids. The kids' playrooms falling apart around me here. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a box of stamps decided to attack me. I, I, um, I, I thought I'd done a great job as a, a, a sort of honorary Edinburgh fan last week, actually, to be to be honest but to be fair john you did you tried your best but you know there's no substitute for there's no substitute for someone that genuinely follows and follows ember and as we've established i am wholly apathetic about pro rugby in in scotland it's it's club rugby and then international anything in between is just a means to an end for me but we're we're, we're, um we're very lucky to be joined with a new contributor to the blog uh, and also long-term listener of the podcast craig manson good evening craig good evening all I've said your surname right, Craig, because whenever you send, used to send in comments, every, like, time. every time Craig Mason. Yeah. It's the I don't know why I miss the N every time. I'm surprised that usually it's, uh, usually I get the other way around. It's usually, oh, are you Charlie's pal or, you know, <laughs> you know Marlon, you know? So uh, it's uh, quite nice to actually have the, the Manson part mis, mispronounced. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, we're live at the moment on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Um, and we're also live on our super secret social media group, which is just for our patrons. So if you like listening to the blog and you like don't like the adverts, then you can subscribe to our Patreon for £3 a month. Um, and for in return, you get ad-free content, you get exclusive episodes. Um, we are working with the next, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do our trip into the 2000s for Scotland's hardest player, which I'm thinking, what, what five, ten minutes, John, on that? Uh, Oh, do you know what? I think actually, Jason White. Jason basically, White. Yeah, basically Jason White. And to be fair, anyone that I think Nick DeLuca is going to be in there for basically putting up with absolute nonsense from Scotland fans. So that's pure heart. Um, I Sean Lamont for just wearing what he wore all the time, like those those tips and orange gloves. I mean, that's hard as well. So, well, yeah, we'll, there'll, we'll, there'll be a few options. There'll be a few options. It'll be probably more from the women's game than the men's game, anyway. So, yes, yes. Um, so that's three pound a month. If you want to, you can uh, pay a little extra. And, and good evening, here he, he's actually joined just as we speak. <laughs> Malcolm McDee has joined the Doogie Donnelly Lounge for five pound a month. Good evening, Malcolm. Thank you very much for your contribution. Uh, we, you, you're very welcome in the Doogie Donnelly Lounge. Um, so for £5 a month, you get your name read out on the podcast. 
Um, so if and, you go to Patreon, and if you write a comment as well, you can get like double. You can get like your name read out and get a wee comment up as well. That's, that's epic. And everyone gets to see your Facebook picture as well. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Patreon.com/slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, we are also sponsored by Manscaped. Um, so um, if you are interested in gentlemen's grooming products, if that's something you're into, then if you go to manscaped.com slash Scottish Rugby, you can get 20% off plus free shipping on, on a range of male grooming products. Primarily, as we said, John, for the downstairs area. Yes, primarily so. Yes. Craig, Craig's new on the podcast. I'm not going to ask you, Craig. I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> to. And I'm going to quietly not comment. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, if you know, like we said, you know, lockdown is easing, and and perhaps you're a, you're a single gentleman and you you want to get yourself back out back out there meeting people again, and maybe you know, maybe you just want to give yourself a little tidy up, then then go to manscaped.com/scottishrugby, and you get twenty percent off there plus free shipping. Um, we've got they've they've sent us some they sent us the clippers. John's used those on his head. I do use those on my head. They're very very good. Very uh... very gentle. Are they? Very gentle on the old scalp, yes. Uh, they also they're waterproof as well. So if you want to, you know, um, scalp yourself whilst in the shower, it's kind of that's quite useful. Yeah, and then you also got nose hair trimmers and all sorts of stuff. So 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 pop on over to the to the website and have a look. Um, so we've got a fair bit a fair bit of news uh, to catch up on. There's been two big retirements announced today. Um, and the first one, I'm actually, I'm pleased Craig's here for this, although we weren't expecting it, is Chris Fisaro has announced his retirement. I couldn't believe, John, that Chris Fisaro is only 31. I thought he was it, I thought he was older than that. Yeah, I think there's maybe suggestions of a Nigerian passport there because there's no <laughs> no way. Is he, yeah, it's, it seems like he's been around a long time as well, and he has that kind of, Probably that look about him. Probably he's been at the bottom of my too many rocks. That's his issue. Uh, ages, put, put years on you. <laughs> I have but to what? say, he is, he is the first person at every single breakdown fight. Every any time there's any <laughs> any sandbags, there's Chris Fazaro straight in there, and that's that's the how man in him. I think. I know. Well, I was going to say, I, I tried to find the footage of his famous fight with Scott McLeod back in twenty, it was a 2010-1872 Cup game. We've got wee tiny Chris Fusaro taken on in front enough to Scott McLeod, <laughs> but they both got red carded and banned, banned for only a week. Those were the days. Those I know. <laughs> Game's gone soft. That's it. Let the boys play. Let the boys fight. Well, <laughs> Craig, I mean, obviously, um, Fuzzy's a, a how how a five man, and you're you, you know you're involved with the club. What's what's it like for a club like how to have someone like Fuzzy kind of around and about? It's uh, funny enough. It's um, uh, you'd be surprised the amount of Glasgow tops and uh, Glasgow training gear and uh, pair of pairs of boots that um, first fifteen members are, are wearing that have actually been procured from someone that uh, someone fairly close to Mister Fazaro. But no, um, they're uh, he's, he's an absolute he's that group of players um, along with Pete Horn. Um, and there's a lot of the boys that were involved in the, the, the cup win at, uh, at Murrayfield. Um, I think it was the Under-16 Cup. Um, they have been very inspirational with uh, the how and the, uh, Chris Fazaro, Pete Horn have really um, given a lot of the players, a lot of the younger players, someone to look up to and, and push to become. You know, they want, you know, you don't, very, I was very, very lucky when I was that age. I had, um, uh, I had Dave Rollo, who's Scotland player, Lions player, um, and 
to look up to, and they've got Chris Vizarro, they've got Pete Horn, and they're around the club as well. It's not like they they don't turn up. Um, that they're, they're now away in this celebrity culture, etc. As a Glasgow player, they're now you know they're there um, regularly, um, and it's it's fantastic to have them around. Yeah, yeah, and it was a lovely touch today. I mean, a few people might have seen this. I think you posted it, Craig. Is there's a photo, and they got they got the how kits home and away. Yeah, absolutely. It's called in rugby. You know, the, the entire Glasgow squad dressed in these these kits today for a photo to announce his retirement, which was lovely to see. Aye, some of them were a bit baggy on some of the players, so I think some of us have been uh, accidentally been stretching them out for them. I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised how loose fitting it was on Ollie Kebble. <laughs> I just always spat my beer out there. That was a, 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 no comment. I don't know. I've I've tried to roll one of those shirts on, but I never had. I never managed. It got down to about here, and that was about it. <laughs> and John, what about what about Chris Fisaro for Glasgow then? Because he's been a real stalwart in that team, and he's part of the obviously the Pro Twelve winning team. But he's you know he's been around since it was twenty ten. I think he made his debut. <coughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's. He's, he's always been, he's been one of those players. He's always there was a period of time where up and around the kind of pro uh, the pro twelve win, he was one of those guys who was he was really kind of influential. Really, it was you always you seen him on the team sheet and you thought, all right, okay, we're going to get a bit of fight today. We're going to get uh, you know there's there's going to be aggression in the team today. And then there was a period sort of a few years ago where he kind of completely went off the radar and he was fit. But he wasn't playing for Glasgow, and it was it, a lot of fans thought he was finished. Thought thought he'll be on his way. You know, the, every time we came up to um, contract renewal time, it was like, ah, Fazaro will be away this time, and he would always get a year or two years. And he came back from that period out, and he, I remember it was around it. It was when Dave Rennie uh, was the manager, and he was just unbelievable when he came back into that team. And the standards he was driving, you could see the players were like visibly lifted by having him around. So, um, yeah, it's 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 great that a guy like him gets to retire from what I understand, relatively on his own terms, relatively fit. Um, you know, he's had had a cracking club career um, and has obviously played internationally as well. So. Um, for for someone who was dubbed too small uh, many many moons ago, I'm sure he's done no bad. Well, I, I was going to say there's two things I'll pick up on. I mean, the first is I've heard a rumor, and this may not be true, that um, his contract was not going to be renewed a few seasons ago, and there was a player revolt, which just shows how how highly he's spoke thought of within the squad. And I think you see that with the comments that Al Kellogg made today, Craig, just talking about not just professionally but personally. You know what Chris Fazaro means to the players at Glasgow. Yeah, um, the the comments that have been that have been made about um, Chris, but then uh, if I remember back back um, going back to what John was saying, um, if I remember correctly, when he came back um, from the sort of the wilderness, did he not get play, Player of the Year or um, he got, he Glasgow he got club, club Player of the Year? Club yeah. Player of the Year, you know, yeah. and that yeah. stands that, that, that that's a stands testament to the guy um I, you know he's all of the comments that have been made every everybody that, that, that i know is talking about him retiring and saying we just you know some people have said had he not retired already um but especially when he took up the coaching post at um uh oh goodness um what's the team in glasgow um he took one of the um took took he, he took up a, a, 
a coaching post, and we all thought that was him done. Um, but he's, he's he's always been there, and then he, he came on um, a couple of a few games ago. He came on uh, off the bench, and I thought oh, he's still playing, he's still doing well, and I think uh, it stands testament to him. And we're all incredibly proud of him, even though he's got a Glasgow Warriors badge on his chest. But, uh, <laughs> we're, we're very proud of him. Assistant coach at Glasgow High. That's it, Glasgow High. Sorry, my yeah. apologies. So, I mean, John, the, the, you touched on this earlier, the, this idea of him being too small. And this was, he got his one cap in 2014 when Scotland were playing two sixes in the back row. And at, yep. despite, you had Chris Fusaro going great guns at Glasgow. You had... Um, Roddy, you had Roddy Grant. Roddy Grant uh, at Edinburgh. You know, two guys, you know, absolutely tearing up trees in, in the, pro, the Pro 12 as it was at the time. But, John Barclay as well, tearing up trees elsewhere. Yeah. as well, who was playing seven previously. Yeah, over you know, overlooked by by, by I think it was Scott, you know, it'd be Scott Johnson at the time. Scott Johnson, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he got I think he get Fazar gets his one and only cap in a cal, um, a horrendous Calcutta Cup match against yeah, England. I think he got a couple of A caps, but you know, I I don't I think the same as what you could say about Roddy Grant, he just wasn't given a fair chance at national level. It was around at that time that we uh, you touched on it. We we didn't play a game that you know Scotland were always renowned for those kind of small. Let, let's let's see it. The Hamish Watson style of seven. You know, not not small, but definitely not a you know an absolute brute of a seven. They got about. They they were great at the breakdown, and we we tried to follow the English model with that that two sexes nonsense, and we we tried to be something we weren't. And it came at a time that Roddy Grant and Chris Fazzaro and probably countless others who kind of could have made a step up to international rugby and probably done a very good job, they were compromised by that. And that was, you know, I remember an interview with, we're going to have a rant about Scott Johnson now. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean the jingle is such a regular feature when you need a jingle for it. Is, is taking this like, um, bless, she didn't know who, uh, who Scott Johnson was before we start. No, um, I remember an interview with him when not long after he started the Scotland coach, and he was talking about the competition at the breakdown and saying we were not going to compete at the breakdown. And that was the death knell for like guys like Fazaro, guys like Grant, saying you're not going to compete at the breakdown because that's what the guys in the Southern Hemisphere do. It's like, I'm not entirely sure you're watching rugby, Scott Johnson. Is that yeah. really what they do? No, I don't think so. And it's strange, it's 2014, Craig, that Chris Fazaro makes his debut, and then was it the next World Cup we're playing with two back, two sevens? Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, for you know, someone who is an out and out ball fetcher as Chris Chris Fazaro was, it was ridiculous. If you look at who we who we have now and how we how we play the game now, um, he he was a. I'm not going to say he's a man before time, but it, before his time, but it, you know, it's crazy um, to think that he only got one cap. Um, uh, especially when you look at, just as you say, you look at his club background and you look at um, the, uh, how much he is loved in the, uh, in Glasgow. You know, yeah. Um, the other big retirement. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a big retirement because I think we all kind of knew this was one we all thought was retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think he'd been retired for a while. Uh, Alex Dunbar was the other uh, retirement, um, but I think from from his announcement, um, he's been working on the farm for quite a while now. So it's it's another one, John, where I think there's a 
it's hard to know with Alex Dunbar is whether he left Scottish Rugby or Scottish Rugby left him because there's conflicting stories, I think, and conflicting viewpoints over how it all ended for him. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Again, that man, Dave Rennie, is going to get a wee mention again. Um, Dunbar, Dunbar, he had a lot of injuries, let's be honest, and he, he struggled coming back from some of the last the last couple of injuries he had. He did struggle to get a run of games together, but when he played, he didn't look bad. <laughs> and it was always a frustration of Glasgow fans that Rennie maybe wasn't giving him a run in the team because he was... But again, this is back to, you know, we've talked about this so many times, Cammy, that we we see a player for 80 minutes or 60 minutes on a, on a Friday or a Saturday the coaches see the player all the time and you've got to hope that there's a decision made based on their training performance or, or you know how they're handling themselves behind the scenes. But Alex Dunbar offered something that Glasgow didn't have at that point and probably haven't had since. And I would, I would go as far as to say that Scottish rugby hasn't had since and that that kind of very attritional 12 with defensive skills, you know, he was probably one of the best defensive centres we've had. Maybe Chris Harris is uh, going to step up to that that mantle now. But particularly his work over the ball, he was like, you know, we've talked about Chris Fizarro and the, 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 the flanker position. Alex Dunbar was an extra flanker and the amount of turnover ball he won in Glasgow over the years, uh, as well as being still the fastest recorded Scottish player of, uh, is that right? of all time. Um for his try against Italy, um, it was yeah. I think it was the fastest recorded. Do they have somebody yeah. stood at the back of the things with a speed gun or something? I think it was the GPS trackers. All right, but yeah, it was. A, I remember there was a big deal. Maybe maybe it's been sur- surpassed by now. I'd imagine it probably has. But he was clocked at like I'll dig out the figure through the podcast. But yeah, he was he was officially the fastest ever Scottish rugby player at that point. Yeah. And it's strange. I was when I was looking up at this, I think I found a, an interview that Jamie Lyle had done with Matt Taylor when he left as a defence coach. Craig talking about how much Scotland missed Alex Dunbar, um, and it's that thing. I think there is a you know. I suppose I don't know whether this has changed in the last year or so, but it must be hard at international level when they want these players to be playing, but at club level or the pro club level, they're not. They're not getting the games because there are other guys they need to use. Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird one because you automatically think that um, uh, the best, the cream of the crop, are going to be in a Scotland shirt. Uh, you know, this cream of the crop of Scottish rugby, the people that are the best people for that position are in that are going to be in that position. Um, but we were we were at sea for quite some time defensively. Um, we would either turn up or we wouldn't, and a lot of the time we wouldn't. And Alex Dunbar was always one of those players that would turn up regularly day in, day out, not only for um, for, for his club when he could, but for Scotland. And he was always, um, in my opinion, you know, I don't know a huge amount about the backs, I've got to say. It's more about, <laughs> I, tend, I tend to have my head down and thunder into things. But, um, uh, you know, you, you want a player that's, a defensive captain, someone who's going to lead by example, um, and he he was one. He is one of one of those people. And I, I actually was really did. I'm, I'm going to ask a question. Here. I'm right. He went to Newcastle Falcons. 
Temporarily, yeah. He Temporarily. Went yeah. yeah, and then he went to Breathe, I think, for a bit. Yeah, yeah. So he was patched, patched out at Glasgow uh, unceremoniously. Yeah, and Glasgow. I thought... I thought it was I thought great. We're going to see him in the Premiership, and he's going to do. He's going to you know he's going to show the the player he is. Um, and then all of a sudden he disappeared um, uh, off to off to brief. So uh, you know, as I say, uh, but as you guys know and everybody knows, um, we are we are Scots as Scots rugby players that there are Scottish rugby players littered everywhere that have had one, two, three caps that should have, should have hopefully, you know, should have had more caps than that. And, um, and then you've got uh, people who are unceremoniously discarded when a coach decides that they're going to play a different way. And, um, and, and I, I, you know, Chris Harris has really show, shown that we need that, those defensive captains. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is, and there was a, we, we got tagged on the, um, blog Twitter today. Um, um, Gary Heatley's done an interview with Matt Scott, down, who's playing Darren Lester, and a lot of people saying, you know, he's the one. I think Greg, you know, he obviously when he was playing for Embrid, you know, really kind of playing well again, playing well with his rugby, and just it wasn't offered the deal. But I think sometimes people forget. Yet yeah, we've got these players playing well elsewhere. You've got them, but the to a certain extent, you think, well, yeah, but they've got to be better than the options we already have, and. Unfortunately, sometimes better players just come along, or players, John, I suppose that, that fit the game plan of what the coaches want better. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Scotland's the the kind of death knell for them bar, um, particularly for Scotland. But obviously, you know, if you're not getting game time for Glasgow, you're not going to get game time for Scotland in theory. Um, Hugh Jones, um, but. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the the second option is a distributor at 12, you know, using, I think particularly once we started to really rely on Russell as being the primary playmaker and then having a second option at 12, that was when guys like them are who had many, many talent, talents as a defensive organiser and actually you could argue was a better 13 than he was 12. Um, that was when he, but he wasn't quick enough for 13 by that point in his career, he, was, he had too many knee surgeries. So at that point, he's kind of you know there wasn't much chance, and yet coaches had decided to play a different way. I've actually got the I've got the number in front of me though. He was recorded against Italy at thirty three point eight kilometers an hour. What's that in miles an hour? Come on, um, like Brexit now, John. Not in this uh, kilometers oh, an hour nonsense. Uh, thirty three point eight. Yeah, yeah. I want to see how well I once drunkenly ran past well, you know the speed cameras that show you that, your speed. I once drunkenly ran past one of those and I want to see if he if he, if I if I've beaten him or not. That that was twenty one miles an hour. Oh um, I think I think I clocked fifteen when I was drunk one night in one of those wee flashy ones that give you your speed. You you weigh about like you're about nine stone wet, mate. <laughs> I certainly I'll double that. Hey, listen, give give me give me a downhill run, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think it's it, I think there's a lot of, again, it's one of those ones that might come out of the wash. He seems he always seemed like such a quiet big lad that yeah. you know um it's it we'll probably not hear the full the full story of what no, went down there. He seems quite happy back up from his his Instagram post where he announced his retirement, he seems more than happy to be back on the farm. I think that was kind of his, his yeah. kind of second me, second home. Me and uh Rona Sweeting have uh, and, and uh, 
uh, numerous others have talked at length about how nice Alex Dunbar's dogs were. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we were, we were all about Alex, Alex Dunbar's dogs. Uh, top, top dogs, man, top dogs. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, should we, uh, Craig, I'm really sorry to do this. You know, we've invited you on the podcast and, and I had hoped, you know, we'd be getting you on with slightly better, um, you know, better circumstances for Ember than we've yeah. had. And it's maybe been a surprise. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't here last week. John said I was. Did he say I was way doing something responsible, John? No, I didn't. No, uh, Ian said you were doing something responsible. I was. I was trying to like suggest you were away doing absolute carnage. But Ian oh, was. Right, like, no. Ian was well behaved last week. Like I know. I'd had. I had my. I had my COVID jag, and I, I told them not to mention it because I didn't want to get banned from Facebook again by them starting making cracks with five G and that. So um, <laughs> there was a lot of material. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, Craig. Yes. How, let's start with, you know, how does it feel for Ember at the minute? Because, I mean, <coughs> coming into these two games particularly, it felt like Ember were in a, in better shape than Glasgow. Yeah, I think, I think the, um, I, I think the, 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 the horrible game that Glasgow had uh, in Italy um, bucked everyone up and said, right, here we go. Um, 1872 Cup is coming home. We're going to go in absolute because Edinburgh's game plan at this moment in time, and I'll probably go into it a little bit more further down the line, but um, is very much run at them and and rattle them as far and break through tackles, break through, get the get the ball through the tackle and get the ball offloaded quickly. Um, and so when they saw Glasgow, and I've got and you know I'm uh, I'm sure I'm going to get absolutely. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, friendly fire thrown back at me by John, but um, seeing Glasgow leak so many tries against a team that that you just didn't expect it. Um, obviously, your tails go up, and you think, "Yeah, okay, we're on for this." Um, but uh, to be fair, you know, and I will, I will, um, I'm, I'm a fair man. Glasgow absolutely fronted up two weeks ago for the 1872, um, and then um, again we saw a little bit of it. Um, uh, on the weekend as well, the defence has really um, sorted themselves, sorted themselves out, and, and and got it. You know, they were in fact to the point, and we talk. You know, when I when we talk about uh, when we're coaching positive and 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 and, and passive defence, they're positive, positive, positive all the time. They're trying to knock hit two people, you know, hit one person with two two tacklers at one time, pushing them back over the game line, not letting Edinburgh get over the game line. And they were doing a lot of that. Um so yeah, it's it's it, it, we were we were feeling a little bit we had our tails up. Um uh, and maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe we should have been thinking what's in what's in front of us, you know? Yeah, it's interesting when you when you mentioned kind of like, you know, what Ember's game plan, because when you look at the look at the stat the stats that you can get access to, which aren't many, because um they don't tend to publish them for the Pro 14, but the most metres made from either side. So it's 75 metres by um, Villa Mata and 117 mm. for Adam Hastings. So is that kind of where Ember are, are going at the minute? Is it, is it just trying to power power through the forwards? Is that is that the well, game for, plan? For, from from what you know, we can tell, and 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 you know, it's the biggest problem I think is that they were we're working to Richard Cockrell's game plan. We're working to Richard Cockrell's um, club ethos. We're working to Richard. We're, in fact, the whole of Edinburgh is just working for Richard Cockrell. And, you know, um, we, attack-wise, we're incredibly um, dull 
we're hitting, we're, we're using using everybody as even Christine, for example, Christine, the the the, the, the supposed um, King of Edinburgh um, or Prince of Edinburgh, I should say, constantly hitting up, constantly hitting through every time he gets the ball. The ball doesn't get outside him because he's constantly going for uh, going for the the player taking on the player in front of him. The, our forwards are incre are incredibly good. They're set up the right way. They're hitting strong lines. They're constantly pushing on. But the problem you have is that you do that for 30, 30 metres, someone's going to get wise to it, and then they're going to either rip the ball out of your hands, turn it over, or you're going to drop it. And the way the way Glasgow were hitting us, you're going to end up, I don't care what anybody says, I can be the biggest guy in the world. If I'm hit, if I'm hit correctly, the ball is going to come out of my hands because I've been totally shocked. Um, and that's what happens. And that is Edinburgh's, as a fan, Edinburgh have been like this for years. They they get they link a fantastic set of play set of play up. You think this is going to be fantastic, and then they drop the ball, or they or they turn it over, or they kick it in into touch, and it goes straight out, and you have to go away back, march yourself back up. It, it, it just seems to be that way. Um, sorry, I'm starting to rant, so I'm going to have to settle <laughs> down fine. here. But John, yeah. do you think? I mean, John, we'll, we'll, do you think that's is that what Glasgow saw in front of them? Do you think it's just that you know the Ember maybe a bit more one, a bit one dimensional? That is all just through the forwards, and they're not taking it wide, and it's quite easy to read that then. Well, I think I think so. Address a couple of points first, Craig. You're absolutely right. You know, looking at Glasgow's not not even just that singular game, but looking at Glasgow on, on the whole this season. You would be confident of scoring tries against them, and you'd be confident of doing that in a very brutish manner. They're not the most physical team. You, if you run straight and hard at them, generally, eventually they'll cough up points. Uh, and it's been, it's been a problem all season. And you know, then you look at look at the Rolling Mall, for example. We still cough up tries constantly in the Rolling Mall, and we give away penalties by the gazillion load. Like we just hand them out like candy, so you, you you're right to come into that game with that. And I think there's Glasgow have benefited over the last couple of weeks from a couple of things. Edinburgh haven't been that good, right? Now, Edinburgh have not played to their potential. Um, they've also, the, as you say, they're playing a limited game plan for a number of reasons. One of which is you've got Nathan Chamberlain at ten, who is not being trusted to do anything uh, from 10. And I've been saying this all season um, and, you know, last season, but he's not been trusted to actually play play the game and, and play make. So he's are running really limited game plan. Glasgow came in the first game on the Rob Harley 250 emotional high and they basically just tackled a lot and then scored some nice tries. They've also benefited from having a couple of really influential players back. Uh, guys like Kyle Stain coming back for Glasgow is a huge bonus. And you could see the difference he made last week, the, the driving that emotion, driving the energy that Glasgow have been lacking. And for all my criticisms of Glasgow this year, and yes, I have been very, very, very um, vocal regarding the lack of game plan from Glasgow's side as well, it's very easy to get away with not having a game plan when you've got world-class 
individual players who are going to just do something brilliant and score you points. So guys mm. like Kelstein, guys like Adam Hastings, on your side, guys like Duhan, who just will do something and get you points, and it gets you out a hole. But it doesn't take away from the fact that both clubs are playing a very limited brand of rugby, and it's <sighs> my concern is that yes, we're seeing seeing both clubs stripped back at the moment. You know, in in, in a lot of ways, they've got they've got internationals out there, but there's you know Edinburgh in particular are not really playing many of their internationals, or or there's a lot of injuries, or something's going on there. We've heard rumours, yeah. but. Scotland as the national side, you've got to hope that Townsend will insulate the national side from that because we don't want that limited game plan starting to creep up to the national team. We're still playing with enough attacking flair uh, at a national level whilst obviously having a defensive pragmatism. Um, but Glasgow uh, <laughs> and Edinburgh are both playing very limited and it's concerning. I think, yeah, because I mean, the worry is particularly, I mean, last week was particularly bad. Right? In the Glasgow game, there were 28 penalties for Glasgow last year. Week. Oh, honestly, I'm surprised it was only 28. And poor, like, right, Danny Wilson, after the game, you, you know, he gets congratulated on the win. And then it's the, well, you know, we've obviously still given away a lot of penalties and we know we need to talk about that. We've been talking about that all season. Why is this still a conversation? Why are we still giving away like twice as, almost three times as many penalties as is acceptable? And we're not talking about inexperienced players here. There's a game plan issue or there's a communication issue. Something is not right and it should have been fixed. Well, it should have been fixed so many months ago. Every other club manages it. Why are we giving away so many penalties? It's just... Oh, it's just Robert, Rob Harley swam up the mall <laughs> in front of the touch judge and the referee. And I'm thinking, come on, Rob, you know, you're a better guy than that. <laughs> the, ref, the ref gives him a chance as well. He yeah, says yeah. to him, don't change your mind. Whoop, there we go. Let's have some of that. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, if I had here, I'd be telling you, like, Rob, what are you? There's so many brain dead penalties Glasgow have given away. It's, oh. It's, I don't think it's not it's not just a Glasgow problem though, because I mean, you know, it was it, oh, it was no. a level pegging, it was twelve thirteen, I think, and I Ember just won that edge that one, Craig. I think you got the twelve to the, to Glasgow's thirteen this week. Yeah, thank but, goodness for the greatest human, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the worry, I think, is you know, the last two games have been real from a from a spectator point of view, they're really entertaining rugby, great games to watch. But but the worry is that at the moment either team now has to go and face opposition out with Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Out with you know you're asking for trouble. We don't know you know, especially eighty six percent tackle completion from Ember this weekend as well. So yeah. I mean, anytime you drop below ninety, you're in trouble. Yeah, and we've got Ulster coming up. You know, um, we, will, that, we will raise you Ulster and see you Leinster. Yeah, Dragons first to get some injuries and then we'll go and take on Leinster. Yeah, great. Can we cancel the season now? <sighs> the thing is, you, you, you know, I, I, I was, I, I, was uh, I was talking to our friend Johnny McGinty and we we're talking about how frustrated I was with Edinburgh. But on the other side of things, you, you it's just as John says. You know, we're not we're not sitting Herald in Glasgow and saying uh, what I would say is Glasgow turned it round and they have done a fantastic job to turn it round. Um, what 
was what we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater because we're missing so many players that could make a difference. You know, Darcy's not there. Um, we've not got Nick Haining. We've not got Grant Gilchrist. We've not got Hamish Watson. We've got Jamie Ritchie. You know, we've not got um, Rory Sutherland. You know, there's there's some heavy duty players that aren't involved in the game. Um, now, fantastic to give the young guys some 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 game time. And, and um, oh my goodness, uh, didn't Tom Lambert take his chance um, on the weekend? Um, but you know, we were only a score in it. And any of those players that are that aren't are either injured, you know, or they're 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 um, they're not available or they're being rested, any of them on the field could have made that difference. So, it, 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 however, I would say if you if you put Glasgow's backline and Edinburgh's forwards together, then you would have a pretty tasty um, team to that, that 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 not only would would, would win win you your set piece, but I, I quite liked the flow of Glasgow on the weekend. I thought the, 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 at least the wingers saw the ball. You know, Duhan, yeah. Duhan has to come constantly off his wing, um, searching for the ball at the moment for Edinburgh. And and that's what I'm worried about. I would rather see him as, you know, he's, he's going to be a lion. You know, we're, okay, okay, he's not going to be here for very much longer, but let's get the ball to him and let's get as much out of him as we possibly can, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the... I suppose with Ember and one of the things that John was touching on earlier is the way that Ember, certainly from a perception point of view, is that Glasgow seemed to be kind of, Danny Wilson certainly seemed to have said to the Glasgow youngsters, on you go, you've got permission to play what's in front of you. And maybe it's just that the Glasgow game plan makes it look like that's what they're doing and they're actually not. But you don't necessarily get the impression that, that Ember is the same, that Nathan Chamberlain's been given the same free reign as Ross Thompson has, for example. Uh, to, to play what's in front of him and to you know to have a go. I mean, and you had Charlie. Is it Charlie Savala at the weekend? Yes, yes. Yeah. What, what, was that? A, do you know? Is that? Do you see him as a? Did he have a good game from your point of view? Is that another option at ten, or is it? Um, I. The problem I have um, is, I can't. I don't. I can't tell you if he's had a good game or not. Because I don't feel he's getting the he's getting the speed of delivery that he should be getting. Yep. Um, I don't. Um, and uh, again, I'm going to have to give a fiver to Johnny McGinty because I said I wouldn't go on a rant about him. But Henry Pargos is doing my head in. Um, <laughs> as you know, there's, there's a lot of people have his have his a lot of people say positive things about him and, and say he's a great game controller. He's very, you know, but. You know, you look. You looked at two two games ago. You know, with Ali Price was on the field, and Ali Price. I've never been the biggest fan of Ali Price. Sorry to say, I've never been his biggest fan. But because, but he was he was George Hornish when he was when he was young. He then what I thought Gregor Townsend did was take the corners off him and slow him down, and he then I became I thought God, he's turning to Greg Laidlaw, and then all of a sudden he's found that balance. And 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 he's and he's that ball's coming out of the ruck. The ruck speed is far far quicker. I I am banging my head against a you know I'm almost taking the TV off the wall when Henry Burgos is taking even if it's even if it's tenth of a second or two tenths of a second too long. I think George Turner got a turnover um, on the last game uh, on the weekend there that was there. Burgos had his hands on the ball, 
and he could have got it out of the ruck in a way, but he faffed about with it so long that George Turner changed, you know, managed to get his hands properly on the ball, and all of a sudden it's a penalty to Glasgow. So yeah, I I, I, th- I don't I think we're, I think um, Savalas had a difficult time um, in his first two games because he's not I don't think he's had the 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 I don't think he's been given the opportunity to shine. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's interesting the scrum half thing at Edinburgh, and it's I say tell us all the time with Scottish scrum halves because you can never tell when the replacement scrum half sent off on. Often they're there to up the tempo and they're playing a different game, yeah. so it's very hard to contrast in Henry Purgus and Charlie Shield because they're being given different jobs to do by the coaches. On the other hand. Charlie Shield has looked absolutely like a man possessed. Yeah, yeah. The last two games, I mean, at the end of the last game, I mean, it was almost if I if I if I hadn't had the shakes off the off the jag, I would have, I would have been on ranting a bit because I was, it bothered me how the last game ended with him berating the referee. But actually, yeah, on reflection, yeah, yeah. there's a guy who cares, and to a certain extent, that's maybe what Embra need is a bit more of a guy who kind of cares well, and. Cami, the thing is though. Uh, you know, I think Cockrell's sacrificing player autonomy for um, for his game plan. I think he's, I, you know, if you think of it, he doesn't have a leadership group there. He's the mm. leadership group at Edinburgh. The leadership group, um, and and if you re- if you remember, um, the leadership group at Leicester Tigers were the ones that got rid of Cockrell. So um, you can you can look back at it and and say right, well. You know, I can understand why, but he has a game plan and they stick to it. Um, I, I think it was, I think it was Peter Reid that was on the um, uh, on the radio saying, you know, Edinburgh players need to understand two things: if you see a hole in front of you, run through it, and also the second thing is you need players on the park who will g you up. Looking at our defence on the weekend, you know, I, I remember, I think it's part of the commentary said, uh, I think it was um, John Barkley said, Edinburgh looked tired. You need you need people around you to, come on. And that's what Char- Charlie Shield does. But the problem with Charlie Shield is that is that he then overplays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he overplays so much that, that he ends up making mistakes and that, that are... Um, you know, will go in time because George Horn was a, was a similar mould. You know, George Horn was was full on, constantly all the time. Um, but now that he's tempered it slightly, he's actually becoming, I think, better than Ali Price, and I think he will be um, Scotland's um, Scotland's first pick um, scum half moving on further down the line. You know. Um, yeah. But you know that's my how glasses on there again. I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> and and John, you've you know, Glasgow must be pretty delighted to have another one, another Ember cast off um, in Rory Darge, kind of coming across and do you know, what a game he had. Oh yeah, I mean right. All so, these players come from Ember to Glasgow and and instantly do better. George Church Turner's the, the the prime like the prime candidate for that. Can we can we just can we just yeah I was gonna oh. say can we just mention if you're looking for an example of how a defence, you know, how passive a defence is being. Look at how Turner steamrollers it from five metres out. He yeah. knocks bodies everywhere. It's class. It shouldn't be possible. That's the one thing. It no, shouldn't be possible thing. to do a tap penalty like that and score a try without it going through at least a couple more phases. No, yeah, you absolutely. should not be able to. You should be able to do it at, like, West 4 level. You should never yeah. be able to do that at professional level. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Rory Darge, so 
the frustration from a lot of Glasgow fans' perspective with the the Darge situation is that whilst I appreciate the player choice comes into it, there was a number of back rows went to Edinburgh at that same time. A lot of talented back rows went to Edinburgh and Glasgow were, well, I mean, we were playing Chris Pizarro, no disrespect, but, you know, we were pretty long in the tooth in the back row. And there was an argument to say that should there be a better resource balance struck at that time? And now we're addressing that resource balance. Rory Darge has come over. Um, cracking game. Um, have you seen his interview with Tom Gordon? Oh, by the way, Tom Gordon. I didn't see that, I, sorry. I, I want them to, I think they should, Glasgow Warriors, if you're listening to this, and I, I think they do occasionally, <laughs> can we please just have a Tom Gordon podcast? Because I would happily have Tom Gordon do post match interviews all day long. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was so dry, and the way that he, the microphone presentation, the way he's shoving it in people's faces is glorious. It reminded me of Tom Gordon's uh, first. Uh, 1872 when he won one of the match and didn't have a scooby where he was. Uh, no, I he, he said he didn't even know what the score was when he came off the park. No. And he then, wasn't even cussed, he was just being Tom Gordon, I think. <laughs> like, uh, you've got such and such next to a hovering? Aye? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. But I, that interview was really interesting because it was something that Rory Darge said that uh, I think this probably Craig talks, you know, speaks to what you were saying about Embrace. He was like, what do you feel like to play against your old club? And Rory Darge said, well, I didn't really play for them. You know, that was his answer. I didn't, well, I didn't really play for them. You know, I was in and around the squad. You know, obviously it was nice to see the boys again, but I didn't yeah. really play for them. And that yeah. was his answer to that. And I he kind of think, well, that, you know, it kind of speaks something. Remember, if someone like, I know he's a fringe player, but if he, if he doesn't have a sense of belonging to the club, that's all we hear about the big Crockerall project and you're creating a club ethos. Someone like Rory Darge on the fringe, he doesn't feel part of the club, then, you know, th- there's a problem there, I guess. I really think they're losing their way at the moment. To be perfectly honest, um, I, I really, um, you know, we've 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 almost sacrificed all this, uh, all that. I'm not going to be a, a disaster monger or anything like that, but I just, I, I'm certainly not, um, uh, not. I'm just slightly worried about it because I think, I think if you look at the, the fringe players, um, you look at, for example, Cameron Fenton, Cammy Fenton. Although, you know, a couple of years ago, Cammy, every time Cammy came on, he scored a try. He, he was impressive as a hooker, but he was never used. Now, I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of it. I've spoken to him a couple of times, and he's always kind of batted it away. Um, but you've, you've got these players that are high quality that are arriving in, in Edinburgh, and then all of a sudden they're not being used. And you're thinking, what, you know, you're, then you're going to moat. Then you're going to moan about, oh, we've had a terrible season because um, because all of our players have been away with Scotland this year. Well, you've got all these this quality sitting there. Why are they, if they'd been used properly, then they'd be on stream and ready. To look at oh God, look at look at Leinster three thousand Robobot or whatever they're called now. Um, you know they, they they do that. They constantly play their, their their younger players, even if it's just one. Uh, it's a major game, but one of them's inputted into the main team, and and they get the the opportunity. And I, I think um, uh, my uh, my concern is that you've, that we're doing this to these players that are, you know, John Barkley had not not a lot of very pleasing things to say about Edinburgh when he left, mm. um, and it wasn't just because you know, he left and it was a bit of sour grapes. He, he wasn't used to his potential because other players um, were, were being put in, in front of him. You then got the same as Maggie Bradbury. Um, you know, there's a guy who has 
maybe he hasn't got the ambition yet, but um, and maybe he won't ever have the ambition. But here's a guy; he's a Scotland player, um, and he's 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 hardly ever playing now for Edinburgh. Now, what? Why is that? There's got to be questions asked. Yeah. And John, how are you feeling about Glasgow's depth now? Because it's something we were kind of worried about. I suppose it's the last few games where they've been chucking in. We've not really had much other options, he Danny Wilson, but you know Rufus McLean and you know Cole Forbes and stuff. It's it's looking slightly. I mean, I, I would say Adam Hastings, but he's off to Gloucester at some point. So uh, yeah, it was good, good to see Adam turn up again. Uh, no, I mean, I think I think there is there's hope on the horizon. Uh, for Glasgow, the concern for me, and I think both me and you, Craig, were, were tagged in a tagged in a thing on Twitter regarding um, kind of where we see the the various pro teams sitting, and I'd said you know Cockrell's Cockrell's on a sugary peg, but ultimately I think he's got far too much in the bank to you know the SRU are not going to let that go because I think they see him as potential international candidate in the future. Which, for what it's worth, is a stupid idea. Just put it out there. Um, <laughs> we all want a Richard Cockrell Eddie Jones press conference, John. Don't ruin oh, the dream. Oh, we do. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? But I, I, I indicate that I, I'm still very. The jury's still very much out. Danny Wilson. I know that a lot of Glasgow fans are like, "Oh, we have to give him time. He's not had, you know, he's pandemic." Yeah. Uh, he's got plenty of class players there who are not performing. Um, and it's been really telling, actually, that the young guys coming in, you know, and even guys guys like Cole Forbes coming over. I mean, he's, he just looks, looks manner-born, doesn't he? He's such a good player. Uh, but it's these guys coming in that are papering over the cracks just now of a very, very poor game plan. And you only change that by either Danny Wilson has to suck it and say, you know what, no, we need to change completely what we're doing here. But he, in press conferences, has said that he is here to still instill a pragmatic game plan. I think the worry the worry for Glasgow is that this week they lost Johnny Bell, the attack coach. They've already lost Kelly Brown. Now, I know it's coronavirus. I know it's difficult times. But, you know, to lose one coach because his family's feeling homesick and hasn't settled, you know, to, to paraphrase uh, Oscar Wilde as I did on Twitter the other day, but this, you know, to lose one coach is a misfortune, but to lose two to the same reason looks like carelessness. And I mean, it's a very easy reason to give, isn't it? Oh, my family's homesick. I've been yeah. offered a job elsewhere, off I go. And it, it could just be coincidence that that's happened in these circumstances, but for two coaches to, to effectively walk and go and take up positions elsewhere isn't a great look for Glasgow right now. No, it's not. However, I would counter that by saying that both the attack and the skills breakdown area were exceptionally poor this season. And I think that it's been mutually beneficial for both parties to say, do you know what? You you take on that new opportunity. You you go you go down to Western. You go and play with Duhan next season. Uh, it must be bloody easy to coach an attack with him in it, though. Really, you know, just throw the ball to Duhan. <laughs> get the ball to that guy and watch. Um, but you know what? I think I think Glasgow are in a real. They're having a real identity crisis as well with regards to their coaching. Um, 
I don't think Danny Wilson should be head coach. I don't think the coaches there, for the most part, are good enough to be Glasgow coaches. You compare someone like Johnny Bell to a Jason O'Halloran, it's it's not the same league. We're not talking about the same quality of coach. And the SRU need to probably put their back in. Yeah, I mean, they've got plenty of it hidden away, squirreled away from other things, haven't they? So maybe throw a wee bit of that cash our way to get some decent coaches in. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because okay. I suppose the other the counter argument is they need to be developing young Scottish coaches. Uh, you can develop young Scottish coaches by having uh, world class coaches uh, mentoring. You look at, you know, for example, you know, you had uh, um, Big Petrus at Glasgow. Um, he probably hasn't been replaced, but, you know, he certainly he was spending a lot of time working with local kind of, you know, scrum coaches in Scotland so you only get that from having you know we can't just sadly Scotland's not in a position where we are able to just grow world-class coaches out of nothing because we've not had that legacy of having you know to be a world-class coach do you have to be in a world-class environment or do you have to be at the top of your game probably not but you probably do have to have exposure to those environments and Scottish coaches haven't had that so I think supplementing (coughs) with uh, foreign aid, shall we say? It's still okay. I mean, that's been a problem, Craig. At Glasgow, Edinburgh, I suppose, hasn't it? That you've kind of had Duncan Hodge kicking around for for years now. And is that something you think Edinburgh would benefit from as a bit of a outside impetus? I I honestly think um, it suits Richard Cockrell really well because I don't think he has very many people turn and say, "Hang on a minute, coach, you're wrong." Or hey, coach, uh, I think we should try this. I think we've got um, we've got quite a lot of. Um, uh, I don't think we've got very many players within the team who will do that as well. Um, and you know, they can only teams can only get better if there is something wrong and they fix it. Um, so I think uh, I think no disrespect to Duncan House because he's been a great he's been, he's, he's sat, you know he's been a great. Um, member of the team at uh, Edinburgh, um, both on the field and also um, uh, off it. But I, I, I honestly don't. I th- to, to quote John, he's, he's quotes on a sugarly peg. Um, I really don't think, um, I think you may see a different attack coach coming in for next season. Yeah. Or maybe they'll send Duncan Coach along the, uh, Duncan Hodge along the motorway to you, John. Maybe. Oh, listen, yeah, that... here we go. You know, and have you got any others? Could we have any of your castoffs as well, just to have a wee go as well? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a few. Yeah, we they tend to come along yeah. to Glasgow and they do really well, and then we get guys coming over from. Oh, mind you, Mark yeah. Bennett's done okay. I'm quite happy with Mark Bennett, but yeah, I mean, even then, like you compare Mark Bennett 2012 to uh, sorry 2013-14, even 2015 to the Mark Bennett you guys have got. Um, I mean, I would be, I'd be. Like asking for like forty goods receipt. To be honest, I, I see your point, but do you not think though? Um, uh, I think I said this uh, in one of my po- one of my, my pieces. If if Mark Bennett and Matt Scott together were phenomenal, mm. and 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 I uh, and and the biggest mistake I think we made was letting Matt Scott go, um, because I think him even Matt Scott Jimmy Johnson. You know, Jimmy Johnson was doing great guns, going great guns, um, and and he's now a fringe player. Yeah, and he's not getting game time, and then you know, and and that's Matt, Matt Scott's one of those centers that because he he played ten at age grade as well. He just has a rugby player's brain where yep. he's got all the pace and all the talent, kicking game that works, but he's not selfish, and he yeah. just knows how to put and it makes the guys outside him and inside him look better. It's actually 
I'm going to say it. He is kind of like Pete Horn in that sense. I was about to say that too. Pete Horn at 12 makes both his 10 and his 13 look better. Now, Pete Horn gets utter pelters for it, but that's why coaches keep picking Pete Horn because he makes players around him look better because he does the basics very, very well. And that's and what Scott was doing. And, and he's an intelligent player, and, and you do wonder how much, you know, a good coach would appreciate an intelligent player who's willing to speak up and contribute to attack yeah. plans and things. And we, I mean, and we maybe saw, you know, Gregor Townsend has reviewed his his opinion on how much contribution <laughs> his fly halves should have to the attack plan. And it's you know, it's to the better of everybody all round that he's you know he's come to that way of thinking. But you do wonder whether or not you know maybe with Ember and, and maybe Glasgow as well, John, that the coaches want to impose their game plan and don't have time to to listen to these guys who are you know who who are there delivering the week in week out it's frustrating because the, the club coaches should have infinitely more time to listen to those guys and the game plan should be getting set from that level and moving forward Townsend at Glasgow was very much all about including everyone in the game plan and making sure everyone was contributing and then, obviously, at international level, it's different because you've got time pressures. But the fact that, I mean, I raised my eyebrows and like made a wow face when you said about there not being a leadership group at Edinburgh under Cockrell. And that's, it's not surprising in the sense that, I, given all the stuff we've heard about and the way he's left other jobs under a cloud and things, you know, he's, he's very much, he's, he's the, um, the dictator type of manager, isn't he? I was thinking about this though the other day. Is I, I'm not necessarily sure that Glasgow have that either, because they've given you know you've given the captaincy to to Ryan Wilson and you don't put the rodeo clown in charge of the rodeo. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I mean that with the greatest respect. Ryan Wilson. <laughs> I know I, you know with the greatest respect to Ryan Wilson that his job is to the job that he fulfills at Glasgow. I think is the you know he's the guy that keeps he's the office clown isn't he you know he's the guy that keeps everybody happy he's the guy that keeps spirits up but that's not that's not the guy you put in charge that's not the guy you 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 have as a leader do you know what I mean I think it's often mistaken for natural leadership the guy that gees you up and the guys that tells a joke and the guy that everybody likes I think that's sometimes a mistake because you don't necessarily always make the guy that everyone likes your leader or part or the, or the, or the head of the leadership group and you know I, you know Al Kellogg's probably a good example of that and you know he's managing director now I can imagine that everybody would have lived in absolute fear of Al Kellogg, but he drove the standards at Glasgow when he was captain there. And people, the other players probably would have lived in fear of him and maybe wouldn't have even liked him, but he's not there to be like, I guess. Yeah, there is, there is a, there is a natural, I think given the, the way that the squad's been in transition for a couple of seasons, there has been a natural lack of leadership. And if, I mean, if you think about the, even just thinking about the quality of players that have left Glasgow over the last few years, and you know, just going back there, our current Scotland captain left Glasgow. You know, he would have been part of leadership at, leadership at Glasgow. <coughs> Johnny Gray, <coughs> guys like that. But also, yeah, the guys who've been left are not. I think losing Callum Gibbons was a massive blow for Glasgow, and he was probably the last decent leader we had. And squad. again, the rumor, the rumor there is that he wasn't wanted by the incoming coach. Was the rumor? And again, this is this is a thing. You know, you got two coaches possibly trying to exert their influence over the over the squads, and that 
isn't necessarily, you know, going to pay dividends. You look at, yes, fair enough. You know, if, if you look where Edinburgh were under Solomon, uh, Alan Solomons, and you look at them under Cockrell, don't get me wrong, um, what it's night and day. But the problem you have with them is, is if you look at what they've, how they've um, developed over time, they've got to their highs. They never got to, they, they got to their semi, their quarterfinals, etc., and failed at the last, failed at the, uh, at the opportunity when a, 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 a stronger led team came up against them and knew what to do against them because they are easy to read. If you look at how you know what, if you speak to if you if you speak to anyone in the rugby community and say how does Edinburgh play, you think that they're they're really good at set piece. Their set piece is incredibly strong. Um, they run they run short lines off their off off their forwards and they hit up all the time. Um, that as a defence coach for someone else, another team, that's that's manna from heaven for me because you know there's there's nobody there and, and, and there's there's an ability to. To read them, to 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 turn them over, to um to defend really. All you need to do is defend heavily, get in, up in their face, and they run out of ideas. So I think um you need leaders who are going to like Callum Gibbons to me um was the guy that would dra- drag you up on off the field by your by your collar and say get up and get back in the line. Um and it. it it kind of I'm old school, you can probably tell I'm an old boy that's bald, but um um but I I like the idea of a captain, a vice captain. I don't like co captains. Co captain seems a little bit um woke to me. Um I would far rather have someone I've I know captains, I will play are you gonna play the uh the oh, yeah, we shall. I'll get I'll get there. Um Yes, <laughs> but for me, it's 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 got. You, you look to your captain to lead, and you look to your defensive captains to lead. You look to your you look to your eight. You look to your nine. You look to your ten to lead. Um, and again, we'll go back to Pergos. Pergos, I'm sure with his knowledge, will be a great person to um to 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 talk about game plan and execute Richard Cockrell's game plan. But thinking on his feet and moving people around and and and, and getting us. Across the game line, I don't think he's that person. So, you know, I don't know. He was very good at thinking on his feet, falling over, wasn't he? I well, he does that a lot. He's it's a great the... actor. What a fantastic actor! <laughs> I tell you that Ollie Kevill, Ollie Kevill's arm was so. Did you not see his? One of his arms is bigger than the other, and he hit him with that bigger arm. That's what the problem was. It was. <laughs> How can his arm be bigger? I mean, size of those things, anyway. Um, oh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still outraged on behalf of Ollie Kebble for what's happened oh, there. Anyway, everybody loves Ollie Kebble, really, don't they? Tell you, if I had a scum half to take a ball off me, I would be doing exactly doing that and worse, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, now, but we'll move on in a minute. But I think that the the one thing from an Ember point of view is whether or not Richard Cockrell has moved on or is able to move on from his initial impression of the club and the players, which was. They drove from one end of Murrayfield to the other in the cars, and they were lazy, and you know they they were entitled, and they were only there to play to get their place on the Scotland, you know, to, to, to play to play for Scotland. Whether or not he's been able to change his opinion of the players to a point where he can feels he can trust them and feels that they aren't there to do that anymore, and they are prepared to come along and commit. Or whether he's got that entrenched view of them, I guess, Craig. Yeah, that that is a difficult one. I can imagine. Um, I can imagine how 
how uh, how you know any of us, if we think about it, like how that looked must have been horrendous. Um, uh, but then you look at people like Damien Hoyland, for example, who was part of that group, um, and he is turning. You know, he has. I've never ever questioned his commitment, but I've questioned his um, uh, outlook on life, I guess, I suppose. But actually, if you see him, he's grafting every single time you get, he, he wants the ball. He's trying to get, at 15, is incredibly good defensively. Um, even at 14, he was doing a really good job um, on the weekend um, uh, when he got the ball or he got to sniff the ball. But um, <laughs> it's just, it's, so so it's it's difficult, I think, because um, Magnus Bradbury is one of those guys, you know, he's, he's, he's the guy that, that um, got banned and um, uh, was made captain, and he's going to be the clean sheet, and then he let him down. Um, so I, I can imagine that um, Cockrell thinks, well, it's got to be my way because nobody else is going to do it. Um, and that's the worrying point of it all. Yeah. I often forget Magnus Bradbury's still only 25. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, like, it's like the, it's like the anti George Hall. I forget that George Horn's twenty six. I sometimes think he's only twenty three. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's twenty three, going on twelve. <laughs> oh, but you, you know, I think you were talking about it last week, John. About um, you know, he's he's if he does go to another World Cup, that could be his last World Cup. And you're thinking, yeah. hang on a minute, he's only a bit. He played against Russia in his first one. That's right. Like you've got another three World Cups if you play Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but the oh, um no, it's like it's like I suppose it's like Damien Hoyland, isn't it? I keep thinking, well, Damien Hoyland's the, the, the up and coming lad, isn't he? But he has been for about ten years. Yeah, very much so. So, you know, and there's all these other players I think that you know will We'll move on now because we've moaned about enough. Yeah. But, you know, you've got guys right. like Robin Nairn, you've got guys like Staff McDowell, and you just, you know, I would hope now that, you know, the, the younger players are going to be given a bit more of a chance. But whether or not that happens is a is to another. To be fair thing. to Stafford, Stafford is very young still as well. Oh, I know he's still quite young. But Robin Nairn, I thought was only in his early twenties, but he's he's a bit older now. I think. Isn't he? Yes, he's and you know, me and Ian have had rants about Robin Nairn as well, where like he's he's one of these guys. He always we keep saying. Give Robbie Nair a chance. Give Robbie Nair a chance. See, if you give a player a chance and they make a total plat of it, then we can't give them a chance. It's mm. professional sport. It's like, un- unfortunately, it's professional sport and there's you don't get infinite retries. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do a quick one of these. Well, we look high and we look low. We sing doggy back on in speedos. But I just want to know, did you see? Uh, referendum, who's a regular commenter on the uh, blog, saw Gordon Reig at the Adventure Ford at Colzine Country Park. It's actually pronounced Colleen. Uh, is it? Um, just, uh, yes. It's a very nice country part down is in that, Is that like the way that, that Gullen is called Galen in Edinburgh? Uh, does it have a Z in it? No. But it's, well, whatever, no, then. We used to go and play <laughs> golf. I used to go and play golf at the Muni at Gullen. But then I met somebody and we were talking about, I can't, I can't remember, I was in, when I was at uni in Newcastle, there was this posh lad. 
and I was saying, oh, he said, oh, I used to go and play, you know, I play golf up in, you know, in, in Edinburgh all the time with my, you know, with my dad and, and his friends. And I said, oh, I was, you know, my, my, you know, my family from up there. So we used to play, we used to play Gullen all the time. I said, I don't know Gullen, but I used to go and play Gullen a lot. And then we worked out we were talking about the same place. He was on the posh course, though. Um, so, yeah, it's Hands in the Ruck time, which is our any other business section of the podcast. If you're watching this live and you have a Hands in the Ruck, by all means, drop it into the comments. We've got a couple of comments I'm going to pick up on that we've had throughout the show um, during this point. Craig, you're um, you, you, you're the newbie. You're your debut. So Thank can you. we have you give us your Hands in the Ruck first? Um, hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd, if I, I, these guys are needing Gokwan to come in and sort them out. This is ridiculous. Blair Kinghorn, what are you thinking? Yes. I yes. didn't even recognise him. What? Like, seriously, if I had a haircut like that, I'd be set, I'd be absolutely rattling down the hairdresser's door. Did he actually go and ask for that to happen? Or was it actually like one of his pals did it for him? It's ridiculous. He looks like, he looks like a guy who is underage and is trying to do something to make himself look like he can go and get served at the local office, <laughs> didn't he? He's fake moustache on and that. And just, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like ridiculous. I, I love Blair Kinghorn, don't get me wrong, and I, I will uh, I will stand up and say that that, that guy is uh, Edinburgh through and through and celebrating uh, um, being our youngest uh, centurion is an absolutely fantastic achievement and uh, really absolutely congratulate him for that, but um Seriously, sort your lid out, mate. It's ridiculous. You should have. I mean, you know, the, yeah. I mean, if you if you if you go to a celebration of a formal event of your centenary, you need to at least dress up and look presentable for it. Absolutely. Imagine, <laughs> although I would say all he needs is one of those silvery, um, shiny suits, the really, really thin tie, and then he'd be straight into the eighties. He could start rolling his sleeves up. He'd be bang we on. thin, we thin cigarette. That's it. <laughs> Hanging off the lips. Blair, is there is there something here we need to think of eighties references to go along with the Kinghorn surname for the title for tonight's pod? I'll try. Well, and he, uh, what's um, what's his name? Um, the Paul Calf. Um, he was. Uh, <laughs> look like Paul Calf. Looks just like Paul Calf. Um, the uh, John Cooper. The, what's it? The <laughs> there's a, there's, there's an obscure reference, Greg. You can come back. <laughs> Obscure <laughs> Steve Coogan characters from the nineties. That's what. That's well, right you, in the wheelhouse of this podcast. You do have you do have <laughs> current on your obscure, well, not even obscure characters, but uh, your uh, uh, reference to a certain Mister Price on uh, on uh, Wikipedia cam, don't you? Oh yeah, well that was yeah. I said that um, that was one of my crowning people who long term listeners to this podcast will know that occasionally around team announcement time I will hop on to Wikipedia and edit <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> entries, um, which is how um, um, Nick Haining became known as a ballet prodigy. <laughs> Um, with a um, you know, with a sister who was a personal trainer to David Beckham, no less. Um, and and Edinburgh, st- they're still claiming that it was they're his brother. Or still or claiming it was his mate in Perth, Australia, that did that rather than me. Even though I've I've, I've admitted it. So the one that got there's a few littered around um, during the Lions. Unfortunately, um, 
my um, change of Chris Harris's that said he collected maps and travelled around European battlefields was taken off by an editor on your, on Wikipedia. I was really hoping that that'd stick. That's a real shame. That should have stuck. I know. Um, Xander Ferguson. Now, this is true. Xander Ferguson, according to his alumni um, newsletter from the posh school he went to, um, he could do a he could do a really long slip and slide. Now, that was true, and I tried. To, I, I got the reference and I put it in, but they said it was irrelevant. I tried to put that in twice and they kept knocking it back. And I said, well, it's factually true that he was really good at the slip and slide, but they wouldn't let me do it. Is that so, Xander Ferguson who cruelly made them, uh, uh, made Kyle, uh, oh, what's his name, the prop um, for Bristol, who didn't get in the Lions? Kyle Sinclair. Kyle made Sinclair made him cry. I know. That's ridiculous. Uh, that's, that's Xander Slander there for you. Wow. <laughs> I love the fact that Xander made Kyle cry. That that I'm going to sleep better tonight knowing that. Nobody's talked about porn. Xander Slander. <laughs> that gets creepier every time I see it. That's just freaking All right, so there. They, remember how I said I was going to sleep better. so the big the one that caught on though in my wikipedia entry was um ali price who is from kings lynn in norfolk and so i said that ali price's nickname was a harley price because he's from norfolk (laughs) like like uh like alan Alan, partridge Partridge. (laughs) and i put a reference because we had once made reference to the fact that he's from norfolk and so they used the citation as our podcast episode now a popular clickbait um, rugby website um, then said that was his nickname. So I'm now able to put that on as a genuine citation. So now the <laughs> price is now, it's a, he can't change this because it's now referred to on a secondary source, is known as our Harley Price. So I'm really sorry. Bravo. I'm really sorry, Harley Price, that we did that to you. Um, I managed to get Zandbags and Pinball to stick, though, but that's just that's just factually true that that's their nicknames. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I can't think. Somebody asked if I could edit Danny Kez to say that he did taxidermy, and I did it. And it stuck for about twenty four hours before it, before it got taken off. Um, so yes, um, mullets. I mean, I like Tom Gordon. I'm not going to. I can't agree completely because Tom Gordon's is is magnificent. I think when you go get to Mish and Tom Gordon levels of mulletry, then. It's so it's, ridiculous. It's actually well, they've embraced fine. it. They've embraced yeah. it, and uh, that's that's. Is it, but... is, it, is it maybe the what we call it the seven amendment, where like if you play seven, you're allowed to have a spectacular mullet, but all else is banned. Only fa- what we're saying only only fades in the blacks. Oh yeah, I mean short back sides. Absolutely, well, I'd, I'd see the point if Blair Kinghorn had actually turned around and gone, "Yes, look at me, I'm fabulous." But he looks like he's apologising for wearing it, so <laughs> it's just, it's, it looks embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was apologising for his play, but now that you mention it, Craig, I think absolutely no. I think he was apologising for his hair. I seriously, if he, if he ever got a red card, I would be getting his haircut for going up to this up to see the sanction board. I remember <laughs> I played. Get your haircut, boy. <laughs> When I played for Berwick, we, we did really well. We had a really good Northumberland Cup run um, when I was playing in the the youth section. And um, we, we, were in, we were in the semi-finals. And I remember the before the game, most of the lads there had their you know, head shaved, as was the fashion at the time. And then turning around to the rest of us that didn't have a head shaved and saying, if we make the final, boys, everyone bicks their head. And I've never been so pleased to lose a rugby match in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, John, your hands in the ruck. So it's a wee bit of an obscure one, actually. And like, 
So, it, it, it speaks to a lot of different things, but let's let's go for it. So, um, Kyle Eastmond of English rugby fame, um, slayer of Scotland a few times over the years um, in various Calcutta Cup matches. Um, he's been playing uh, rugby league for a few years. Um, he has... He has retired. He has said a couple of games into the the new season of rugby league, he has retired, saying that the passion is no longer there. Um, this uh, there was there was a statement made about this. It was a thingy, what's his face, Kevin Sy- uh, Sinfield, um, said that um, the fact he had a contract for this year and next but decided to hang up his boots speaks volumes about his integrity. And it actually got me thinking about, so the number of players who come back from, like we're quite far from that original lockdown where all things stopped and we all sat in our houses and batted things for the NHS. Professional rugby players should be now at a point where they are fit and healthy to be playing rugby, right? Amateur game's very different. We've not had any, you know, the roadmap is still pretty loose in terms of the amateur game, but professional rugby players should be fit. Now, if you've been watching any rugby, you will see players who are not fit to be playing professional rugby. And it is really surprising and it kind of you know when you talk about rugby as a professional game and you look at it um you know the comparisons of always with uh football and you look at the difference in conditioning football players have come back from lockdown and are faster stronger healthier can jump higher can hit things harder whatever it is footballers do Rugby's not really done that, and it just—I think it's just a wee bit embarrassing, actually. Yeah, it feels like a missed opportunity, doesn't it? That this—we've been talking about player welfare and managing game time and all of that—and here's been an, an opportunity as a sport for everyone just to take a break and have a long, prolonged period to kind of reset the attritional nature of the sport. And you can see the players that have embraced that and have—you know—I've come out of lockdown absolutely you know, in peak form, have benefited from the yep. rest. And you can then see others who have who are very happy to keep playing rugby and you know but but haven't necessarily embraced the opportunities to to rest and reset themselves. I think it just says a lot about you as a professional and I think on such a public stage, like We've all joked in the past, or you know, Glasgow. I've got, I'm going to use the term that Glasgow used for it. This is not necessarily a term I would use for it, but Glasgow under Dave Rennie talked about Fat Camp and Adam Ash and, and the various others on the Glasgow Warriors podcast talked about being in Fat Camp, which was where your um, your fat fat level was slightly too high for what had been adjudged to be your peak fitness so you basically had to do extra fitness your you were dietary monitored there was so much work put on you it just seems it seems very surprising that after a lockdown after a period of 
of absence that we've got situations where there's guys who like to uh an unlearned um observer just watching on the television you can see that people are struggling and you can see that people are not fit for playing this game and that's it's just it's just really surprising i i, I just can't get my head around it like yeah. if that's your job be fit yeah, I suppose it's too that. I mean, the fitness thing is definitely one thing. I think the fat camp thing is a difficult one because I remember, Craig, you might know there was an Ember probably, it might have been Rory Sutherland. There was somebody that was talking about when they're Ember, there was this constant need for them to to thin down, to thin down, to thin down, and they just said they couldn't. They couldn't. That was Jamie Batty. That was a Jamie Batty. Yeah. I think he was talking about it, saying that he was under constant pressure to thin down, to thin down, to thin down, and he just said it just wasn't his natural, his natural weight. It wasn't his natural playing weight and he felt uncomfortable and he just couldn't shift the weight uh, so i think there's a, a sam laycock saying batty now but yeah, yeah i think there's a balance isn't it between yeah he's a science isn't it player conditioning but there's a difference what you're saying john is you know players clearly being out of puff and yeah, not being yeah, able to play 80 minutes versus kind of the, the, the fat camp idea that everyone has to conform to some sort of ideal which isn't necessarily true of all players i guess but if you look at a guy like Jamie Batty, formerly of Edinburgh's parish, and you know coming back over to Glasgow, it's clear that what you know strength and strength and conditioning guys have obviously different approaches to to how they see players being in shape, and that's fine. And as you say, that you know there's 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 a science to that, and there's people who've spent their whole lives working out. What, you know what weight a prop should be but there's a big difference when you look at a player who is playing at center and who looks like the you know the back end of a barn and maybe shouldn't you know and, and is struggling struggling to get their breath after 20 minutes it's mm. it's a very different thing yeah yeah i think, I think you've got, you got to be careful though because i think i think the, the game has changed so much, and and we're getting to that point now where um, the, the the and the, I I think we're pointing towards these con- the concussion problems that are coming up. That we've got these fit big guys that are now and and fit big women who are hitting each other at such a pace nowadays, and they're conditioned to take that punishment, get back off the floor, and move on. And something's got to give, and it's the moving part between your ears that's designed to be like a shock absorber. And that uh, that is taking it. And then you look at people like um, uh, Sam Warburton, who, who in his prime had to say, enough's enough. Um, mm. You know, all of the, the shock absorber parts of my body, my, the, 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 the knee cartilage, et cetera, is starting to hurt so much that I'm fed up of it. And so I think, there, yes, there's fitness and let's be fit, but, you know, uh, you know, there's WP Nell able to play 80 minutes, whether he liked it or not. He was playing 80 minutes for some reason. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, you've got these guys who will go out there and do that. Um, but again, rugby's a game for everybody. Um, yeah. And we have, to make, we have to ensure that, yes, they're professional, John. I totally understand it's their job. Um, but we have to also be the role models. Or we, listen to me, um, uh, they, have to be, they have to be role models for everybody in rugby. And if we start... Seeing props that are um, half the size of what the what the what you would think of as a prop, then you're starting to put more and more pressure on being uh, at local rugby clubs 
these these women and men have to be this size to do this job, and they have to be all the same size, and it becomes rugby league. I was I was simply raising my eyebrow at the idea that rugby is for everyone, uh, and and I think that's a that's a whole different conversation. That we're st- I, I agree with you. I think we are starting to go away from that uh, on a multitude of levels. But um, I love the fact WPNL played eighty minutes, and actually it looked fitter at age thirty-five playing prop than certain players did who are much younger and who should be um, in. You know, you, you, they're in the backs, so they should be fitter naturally. There was, I think, this. It's interesting. Isn't it? so this was nearly my hat is in the ruck last week if I'd been on, but the you forget that this is a work environment. And like any work environment, you have good days and you have bad days. You have days when you're weeks where you're just not with it. You can't get your head in the game. You can't focus on your work. And, you know, I think we forget sometimes that this is this is the same with rugby players, isn't it? Right, you know, they, they, they go in the train and some days you hit the head's just not going to be in the game. And flip that. And the other the thing that bothered me last week is the, it was a fight between Duhan and Fraser Brown where they were going at each other. And I thought, it struck me, I thought, do you know, there must be guys in the Scotland camp that just didn't like each other. Because yeah. there's people at my, you know, there's people in your office that you think, you know, I, I don't, you know, you just don't get on with them. And you can, you know, you perfect, have a professional relationship with them, but you absolutely wouldn't spend, want to spend any time doing the pub with them. I was, I think I was listening to Ryan Wilson on one of these, being interviewed, and he was, he was saying that he was talking about, they were asking about the, I think it was the, I think it was the Lions players or, or people from some of the Edinburgh players that he plays with. It was nice to be back in the Scotland squad because he got called back up again. And he's like, oh, I don't really know them. Yeah. And you think, and, and, and you think to yourself, in, in the romantic side of things, you think, oh, the Scotland players are all together and they all are living in each other's houses and going out for pints with each other. But actually, you just see, you say, they don't, they don't know, they don't all know each other as well as, well as that. And they also, just as you say, some of them might just when they get along. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. I think we expect that they all we kind of have this this kind of rose tinted view, don't we? Of the squad all kind of happy yeah. and singing songs together, but that's not that's so long as they all act professional around each other and get on, then that's all, all we can expect. And Absolutely, um, yeah. we've we've had on our regular, who I assume is uh, a, a random American Twitch watcher, who says, "Who's the Michael Jordan of Scottish rugby?" Oh, I mean, so are we talking about hardest worker? Are we talking about? Pure talent. What 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 is the Michael Jordan? I think it has to be everything. <coughs> I mean, Michael Jordan, you're talking about the goat plus the hardest worker plus that work ethos. Finn Russell. I think right now, Finn. Ru- mm, no, I'm not going to agree with that one. I'm not going to agree with that one. I mean, it's the default answer. <laughs> well, I think he's, Stuart- he's done what in Scotland or Finn Russell. Aye. <laughs> Stuart Stuart Hogg would probably be the answer now. He would he would be the Times answer. <laughs> the daily record answer is Finn Russell. The Times answer is Stuart Hogg. There's, 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 there's a great reference for uh, for our American viewers. <laughs> the the daily record when Scotland so when Finn Russell made his debut for Scotland, it was on the North American tour, and it was that game with the amazing American commentators. Oh. And the Daily Record streamed it live, and it was absolutely epic. Every that was glorious. That was I, I, I want those commentators back every game. Um, I, would, I would have to. I just my my comment would be Chris Patterson because 
he's I think he's <laughs> He was up there as a player, but he also drove standards at the same time. Yeah, I mean, we've got Jordan Gusler, and, and this is why we we had we, well, um, Gladlaw back in the day, and I would agree. I think Greg Gladlaw's in that Chris Patterson mold of, and we talked about this on our hardest player podcast. Although I'm not going to give anything away, John, because we do the finalists at the end. But but we did talk about Greg Gladlaw in the 2010s and the fact that he single handedly dragged Edinburgh and Scotland by the scruff of the neck, oh, yeah. absolutely through some absolutely. very difficult times. So for a yep. little guy, you talk about hard players, you talk about guys that set standards. Greg Laidlaw's I don't think Greg Laidlaw ever had a bad game. Teams around him had a bad game, but Greg Laidlaw never had a bad game. The positions he played, it was like you could always give like Greg done what he done very well and he would always kick his goals. He would always, you know, yeah, you could argue his distribution wasn't necessarily um technically proficient. But it done a job. What did we say? What did we say on the? I think we said in the Patreon. We said there is a man that transcended his own skill set. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that's brutally accurate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean that. I mean that with the highest of praise. That there is a man who pushed himself beyond and, his limits of what he was capable of, and and, and did and, more. And I think Jordan's actually just touched on that exact. Uh, that that exact thing. He loves a good night out of him. He t- he 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 pushed himself beyond his limits of what he was capable of. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. I and to the hold of his buttons as well. <laughs> <laughs> and on oh, there's a glorious note to end this podcast on. <laughs> Thought of Greg Law, Laidlaw. Shouting swear words, the sweary version of Flower of Scotland tearing his shirt open in And speaking of players that you wouldn't expect to get on, there's two, you know, right down on paper, two workmates who you know in the Scotland team who wouldn't get on, Finn Russell and Greg Laidlock, best of mates. Absolutely. Thick as thieves. So Craig, thank you very much for joining us. We'll get you back again Thanks, shortly, hopefully. Uh John, lovely to see you again, as always. I mean, I, I I turn up at these things. I would turn up at the opening of an envelope, to be honest. But we turn up. We hope to talk for an hour, and it's always an hour and a half. That's it, mate. Yeah, <laughs> at, least it, at least at least it wasn't the uh, me and Ian managed two hours recently. So I know. Well, at least uh, it wasn't that good. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next... Well, actually, I, I need to talk to John because I'm on holiday next week, but we, we may be back in some form next week. Um, oh, yes. Are the cats, are the cats loose? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Craig, we've got you, some... Craig, you want to come on with me and Ian next week, eh? I'll be the prop in the corner <laughs> drinking. There we go. So we're all sorted for next week anyway. But for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig and John. Good night, folks.